0: Go to work, let's just bang on the drum all day. Well, I thought this was a week for me to just bang on the drum and relax. The staff had this week off after Christmas, and so I was excited, and Clarice and I were getting ready to watch some football and cooking some good meals at home and doing some crazy stuff. And starting about 48 hours ago, we were going out to dinner with friends, and I was closing the blinds to our house, okay, the little, you know, the blinds to, so the neighbors don't peer in all the time, and I'm closing them, and I step on the carpet. And it's sopping wet. I'm like, uh-oh, Clarissa, we have a problem. So grab her. I'm like, babe, I don't know what's going on. We look out on our roof, and there's ice that has formed. And it's leaking through the walls down into the carpet. I'm just like, oh, my goodness. You know, this is no longer vacation. I'm going to be scraping ice. So I spent about 12 hours scraping, shoveling, doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Yesterday morning, we're sitting at breakfast on the, at the kitchen counter. And I look on the floor. And I said, Clarissa, what is this? it's mouse droppings, okay? In our house, I'm just like, oh my gosh, one more thing went wrong. You know, so now we have mice in our house. I don't know how we're going to catch those. But um, walk up to our bedroom upstairs, and we're putting away clothes, and our windowsill has water coming in, Totally different, unrelated to the ice thing, or a different part of the ice thing. I don't know. So, oops. <laughs> so uh, upstairs, windows, leaking water. Then you're not going to believe this. So I get online and I'm like, all right, I'm just going to check my email. You know, finally, a reprieve. And so I'm checking my email and I look at our credit card statement to see how much money we spent on Christmas and all that stuff. And there's these charges that we didn't make. Somebody stole my credit card numbers and has been charging stuff. I'm like, unstinking believable. And so I'm like, Clarissa, I'm just going to bed. I'm going to pull the covers up over. I don't want to even, you know, focus on today or tomorrow. I'm just going to be in bed. That's where you'll find me. So she's like, fine, I'm going to the grocery store. So she heads off to Walmart. She comes back, and she's like, hey, Ryan, you're going to want to come look in the garage. And I'm like, you're kidding me. And she's like, no, seriously. So I go in the garage, and our garage is not finished, but there's, like, the tape, you know, for the drywall. And so it's, like, bubbling, and stuff's coming out of it. And I'm like, uh-oh. And so I can't reach it with my hand, and so I have to crawl up on my car, okay, to touch it. And I'm crawling up, and I'm touching it, and my foot slips out from under me. I fall on my car and then hit the garage door. I'm just like, oh, and like can barely walk, and I'm embarrassed, and I'm hobbling into the house. And so, Clarissa's like, I'll just make lunch, and everything will be perfect, you know? Well, just relax, you can, you can finish up your message. And so, we're sitting at the kitchen counter, eating lunch. I'm like, said, do you hear water running? She's like, yeah. Our toilet broke, okay? I'm like, this is the worst 24, 48 hours of my stinking life, and then I have to teach on Sunday. So... It's like so much for banging on a drum and just relaxing and hanging out. And I started thinking, man, so many times I live for the weekends. You know what? I love Saturday mornings. It's probably one of my favorite times of the week. Clarissa and I have this tradition. We wake up Saturday mornings, we sleep in a little bit, and then we make pancakes, blueberry muffins, or we hop in the car and go to Einstein Brothers bagels, and we get bagels, and we go back to the kitchen counter, and we make them, and we eat, and we talk, and we laugh, and we laugh about the week and the craziness that went on. And it's just one of those times It's rich and real and intimate. And then afterwards, I crawl over to the couch and turn on the, the TV and watch some college football. You know, it's been amazing. You know, those are, those are my Saturdays. That's what I live for. If I'm not living for that, a lot of times I'm living for, for the latest movies that are coming out. I don't know if you guys saw the previews for this new movie, Vantage Point. So it's about with Forrest Whitaker and Dennis Quaid, where the president gets shot from all these different views and stuff. Looks fabulous. Comes out in February. And it's one of those things, like, I'm like, we got to go see it on opening night. I'm living for the latest Apple gear. You know, as soon as I can get the latest iPod or MacBook computer or whatever it is, I'm always checking the blog, saying, well, what's out next? Because i got to get my hands on it. Or I'm living for the Ohio State versus LSU National Championship in just over a week. (laughs) Ohio State's going to kick some major butt, and I'm excited about it. So what Clarissa and I do is every Sunday afternoon, after church usually, we sit down, and we have this whiteboard on the back of our pantry door. So we write out our whole week, all the plans and everything that we're doing. And so we schedule it out, and I find myself every morning, you know, I go and I'm pouring my cereal, and I'm looking at the weekend. I'm like, all right, movie night, date night with my wife. I can't wait. You know, I just get excited, and I'm living for the weekend, not engaged in the moment at all. And it reminded me of a time, it was two years ago, we've, we've, I found $250 airfare, we lived in Indiana at the time, from Detroit to San Juan, Puerto Rico, 250 bucks. And so I call Clarissa at work. I'm like, babe, these are not going to last long. You know, let's just get them. Let's go in June. And so five months ahead of time, in February, we plan this trip. Get a hotel on the beach, $59 on the beach. And so Clarissa and I are so stoked. We're going to spend a week there. And so for the next five months, I am so consumed with Puerto Rico. It's all I'm thinking about. Every free night we get, I'm like, let's go to Borders. We can look at the magazines and find out all the great places to eat and go and what we can do in Puerto Rico. And just consumed my life, Clarissa's life. Anytime something would go bad, I'd just be like, babe, don't worry about it. We're gonna be in Puerto Rico in like three whole months, you know? And so we come home from this trip, amazing time. And I remember sitting on the airplane, and I'm just like, man, I've lived this last five months just thinking about Puerto Rico. It's consumed all my thoughts, all, everything, my time, my money, all of it. I, so I was like, man, what if there were things to be learned or conversations to be had? They were supposed to take place over this last five months. And I was so caught up in Puerto Rico that I totally, totally missed out. You guys ever feel that way? Yeah, and I started thinking, man, how many times do I not engage in the moment like I'm supposed to? You know, how many times do I fake it? I don't know if it's the, the movies that I watch or when my parents taught me my life skills, that I just didn't pick it up along the way. But I feel like, man, so many times I just, I want to be this, this other person, but the other stuff comes out. I was reading this book this week. There was this guy that said, he's a full-time pastor. He works for a church in Oklahoma. He says he's a full-time minister, but a part-time follower of Jesus. Okay, so he's a full-time minister, but a part-time follower of Jesus, if he's going to be perfectly honest. And I read that, and something reigned true in my heart, and I was like, man, I feel like a quarter-time follower of Jesus. You know, I'm always thinking about this other stuff. It consumes my mind, my thoughts, our time, our finances, all that stuff, and i Fail to engage in the moment. Do you guys ever feel that way from time to time? There's so many things going on in your life, in your house, for me, you know, the leaky roof and the windows and the mice and all that stuff, that you just fail to miss what's really going on. You you have those seasons where you miss five months of life and you're like, man, where did those months go? How do I possibly get them back? So maybe you're here this morning and you grew up in church. And you grew up, and you know all the Bible verses. You have them memorized on your heart. You know all the songs. You know how to pray before meals and at nighttime. And you know the answers when someone asks you deep, dark, spiritual questions. And you know it all in your head. But somewhere along the lines, you've began to think, man, have I missed it somewhere in my heart? This truth that God has, have I, have I lost it? Because I, I believe it up here, but it just doesn't seem to penetrate my heart like it used to. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you're at K2 are experiencing this God for the very first time, and people sit down to pray, and you're like, man, I don't know what they're doing, but I'll bow my head, and I kind of look around when everybody's praying. I, this is a little bit weirded out by it, but, you know, who knows? And you, talk, you hear people talk about encountering this living God and having a relationship with Him, and you begin to think in your head, am I schizophrenic? You know, <laughs> are these people crazy? You know, talking about having this relationship and this dialogue with God. But you know, That there's truth out there somewhere, and you're searching for it, and you just can't find it. So you go through the motions, and you're searching for whatever comes along. Maybe you're here today, and you're a newer Christian. You accepted Christ a month, a few months, a few years ago, and he was exciting, exhilarating, and he he had he had this passion for God and love. And all of a sudden, you look back, and you're like, man, where did that go? I wish I could just get back to that point I was at just a few years ago. Why does it seem to have fizzled out from what it used to once be? Maybe you're here this morning and you're a passionate follower of Jesus and you know him intimately and deeply and you don't feel like you ever have to fake it. You feel like, you know what? I am a full-time you know, follower of Jesus. I'm not perfect, but I do it as a whole. And if that's you this morning, awesome. That is not me at all. Or maybe you're here this morning and your whole relationship with Jesus is centered around service. When someone calls, you answer their phone, and you're there. Someone from the church, or maybe it's even the church, and I'm always doing stuff to serve this God. But somewhere along the lines, you've missed having this deep, growing, thriving, intimate relationship with him. Maybe that's you here this morning. And so I started thinking, man, if we all feel this way at some point in our lives, are we the first people in all of history to feel this way? Are we the only people to ever feel this way, you know, throughout all of time? Am I just a crazy individual? Or is this a common thread throughout all of history? And the good news is, gang, is that we're not alone. There are other people that have felt exactly the same way that we do from time to time. Like they're part time, quarter time, you know, one eighth of a time, followers of Jesus. And we find them in the scriptures. So this is cool. The book of Revelation. I don't know if you know who wrote this, but John, one of the disciples, one of Jesus' closest three, wrote the book of Revelation. And so he was exiled to this island of Patmos and he was there all by himself and he had these encounters with Jesus where Jesus would come in flesh and speak to him and give him things that he wants to say to the world. And so the point where I'm going to read to you is where Jesus sits, sits John down and he's like, hey, John, I want to talk to seven different churches spread throughout all of Asia Minor. Okay, so John's like taking notes and he's like, so Jesus specifically gives instructions for each of these seven churches. And so he takes this one church in particular, and it's the church of Laodicea, is what it's called. And he has some, some things that he wants to say directly to this church. And so the people of Laodicea, I'm sure, are like, man, these words are straight from Jesus. We're going to be all ears. There's a couple of things you should know about Laodicea that help unpack this passage. The first thing is that they were a very, very wealthy church, okay? A wealthy people. It was a city. So they didn't write. When Jesus wrote these letters, it wasn't to, like, K2 or South Mountain. It was to a whole city. Like Salt Lake, you know. And so the, the people of Laodicea, though, were a very, very wealthy people. Forty years before this letter, this letter was written, there was a big earthquake, destroyed the whole city pretty much. They rebuilt it with their own money, no outside help, back to it was in good standing by the time this letter was written. So these people were wealthy, and these people were generous. You know, they're generous with each other, but somewhere along the lines, they missed connecting with Jesus. Here you go, Revelation 3.15. Here's what the scriptures have to say. You can follow in your Bible or on the screen. So again, this is Jesus' words to the church of Laodicea. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are a wretched, pitiful Poor, blind, and naked, I counsel you to buy from me refined, buy from me gold refined in the fire, so you can become rich, and white clothes to wear, so that you can cover your shameful nakedness. Okay, so he says these words to the church. He says you're lukewarm, you're neither hot nor cold, and the reason that's significant, this is like a slap in their face. Was it in the town of Laodicea? In the city of Laodicea, they had to get their water from the town north. Okay, so they didn't have water piped into their own city they had to go and they had to get it okay and when it was piped into this other city it was cold but by the time they brought it back from this city from the you know from the city that was just north of them it was lukewarm and nobody liked it because back in the day at religious festivals at weddings at big feasts there were only two kinds of drinks there were hot drinks and there were cold drinks nobody liked lukewarm drinks if you gave someone a lukewarm drink it was like the biggest insult to their face you know and so when Jesus calls this church lukewarm they took heed. They're like, oh, man, we don't want to be lukewarm. Nobody likes that. We're just like our water. You know, and I hear that. I'm just like, man, I get convicted. I'm like, this has to change. You know, and I hear that. I'm like, I don't want to be lukewarm. Jesus says he's going to spit them out of his mouth. That's not a good connotation. There's no justifying that to make it you know, not so bad. It's just a horrible, horrible thing that Jesus is going to do if we're lukewarm. And what are they lukewarm about? They're lukewarm about Jesus, you know. Sometimes they're a follower of Jesus. Sometimes they're not. They get busy. They get distracted. They get consumed with LSU and Ohio State football and all these things that I often get distracted with. And in the process, it leaves them neither hot nor cold, just kind of lukewarm, right in the middle. And so I started thinking. I thought, man, what if I lived in Laodicea? Okay, what if I could, you know, take my take myself back, and if I lived two thousand years ago. Would I, would Ryan Coley, would I rise up and say, you know what, regardless of my friends, regardless of my family members, my brothers, my sisters, my co-workers, my pastors, would I be a passionate follower of Jesus? Would I be hot for him? I thought, man, what if I could? What if I could just rise up despite everybody else and all the things going on in life? What if I could just rise up and do it? I started thinking, man, why is it That I treat my wife so much differently than I treat Jesus. I started thinking, man, what if I treated my wife like I treat Jesus? And I thought, okay, so our anniversary comes around. I wake up in the morning and I don't even have time to tell her happy anniversary. I hop in the shower and I just go. I come home from work and I'm like, hey, babe, I I was driving home from work and there was a vendor and he had roses half off. So I got these for you. So here you go, I guess. And I stopped by Walmart during my lunch break and so I saw these cards for anniversary, so I just pulled one out. I didn't have time to sign it, but here you go, happy anniversary. You know, and I guess we should probably go to dinner because it is our anniversary. So I'll pick the restaurant, you pick your soft drink, we'll share it tonight. You know, Everything will be fabulous. And then we gotta cut dinner a little short though because there's a great football game on and I wanna watch that. And I was thinking that maybe you could make me my favorite dessert and serve me hand and foot. And I gotta get to bed early because I have a long day tomorrow. If I treated my wife like that, It wouldn't take long before she sat me down and she'd be like, Ryan, something has to change. Why is it, gang, that I can do that with Jesus all the time where I don't engage, where I give him just a little bit, where I barely acknowledge his existence until I need something and my house breaks and I'm like, Lord, show up now. You know, Why is it that all the time I just give him just a little bit? I can't do that with my wife. Why do I feel like I can do that with the God of the universe? So I don't think the answer, you know, to not be lukewarm is to, to not be lukewarm is to serve more, and to join another committee, committee, and join a small group, and do more at the church and that kind of thing. I think the answer is found in verse nineteen. Okay, this is really cool. So these, this is Jesus' further instructions to the church of Laodicea. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. So the very first part there, it says, those whom I love. I think the people of Laodicea, Jesus wanted them to know that I love you with all my heart and I believe in you. Then he goes on to say, I'm going to shape your character, you know, because I love you that much. Then this is really cool. He says, here I am. I stand at at the door and knock. So Jesus is just knocking on the door, waiting to come in. And not come in so you can work for him or do something. No, you come in so that he can eat with you and you with him. And I thought of our time, Clarice and I have every Saturday morning at the kitchen counter with our bagels. You know, and it's rich and it's funny and we laugh. And that's what Jesus wants from us. He wants to have that kind of relationship with each and every one of us that sits in this room. Each and every one of us that calls ourselves a follower of him. That's his desire It's not that we do more. You know, it's that we have this loving, intimate, growing, thriving relationship with him. And so I started thinking, man, what is it like to be in love with Jesus? You know, and the first thing I thought of was that all my thoughts when I'm in love with my wife are consumed by her. You know, at night before I go to bed, I'm thinking about her. When I wake up, first thing. You know, when I have a break from work, I'm texting her on the phone, I love you. I can't wait to see you tonight. I can't wait for our date because my thoughts are consumed by her. I thought, when I'm in love, I want to do anything I can to possibly bring her joy. When I'm at the store and I see something for her, I grab it. You know, I bring her breakfast in bed. I leave her notes around the ho- the house. You know, I clean her car. I wax it. You know, I'll even change her oil from time to time. You know, I do that because I just want to bring her joy. I don't do it because I'm obligated to and I have to. But when she's happy, I'm happy. That's what it's like to be in love. And then. When you're sitting, when you're walking together, hand in hand, or you were just walking and she reaches out and touches you, touches you, and you get those like tingles, and you're like, "Man, this is good. This is rich. This is intimate. That's what it is to be in love." I thought of a time where we were in Aruba for our honeymoon. So I get this hotel with a private island for just the hotel people, and you get to go out and hang out. And so we're in this raft where she has her raft, I have my raft. We're in this moment in the sun setting, private island in Aruba, the ocean waves. I mean, one of those like most magical moments of your life. If you could just push pause, Ooh, hey, <laughs> if you could just push pause and save that, and then when, you're having, when your house goes to crap, you could push play on that moment and be like, oh, it's not so bad anymore. But we're having one of those moments in Aruba. I look over and I'm like, babe, life does not get any better than this moment right here. She's like, I know. She's like, Rye. she's like, I'm thirsty. It's like, the the sun out here is just making me thirsty. And so you know what I did? I hopped out of my raft, swam up to the beach, went up to the pool bar, got her a drink, brought it back to her, and I wanted to do it. It wasn't like, fine, I'll show up, I'll get you a drink, you're thirsty. It was like, man, it just flew out of my heart, out of my body, because I was in love with her. Why is it that when we serve Jesus so many times, we're like, fine, I'll show up, I'll help in the nursery, I'll help with the youth, I'll do whatever. I don't really want to do it, but... Because I'm supposed to, or I'll take my tithe. I know scriptures say 10%, so here you go, God. What would it be like if we had this loving, engaging relationship with Jesus and it just flew out of us? We just couldn't stop it. So, what is it going to take, gang, for each and every one of us to have this intimate, growing, thriving relationship with Jesus in 2008? Because we get a fresh new year you know, here in a couple of days, and I just thought, man what can I say to these, these guys and myself that will penetrate and will make a difference for the rest of the year? And so my goal, my heart, is that you and I would have a passionate, loving relationship with God in 08, even if no one else does, that we would be the people who do. So I was reading Genesis, and I was just going along, and I was in the genealogy of Genesis. And so if you if you know scripture, you know, the genealogy is where they're like this person begot this person. This person lives 600 years. It's one of those times you're like, I'm supposed to read this, so I guess I'll keep doing it, but it can be a little boring. You know, from time to time you're like, I don't know. And you're like trying to do the family tree, but you can't make it all connect. And so I was reading this a couple months ago. I came across this guy named Enoch. Here's what it says: Genesis 524. It says, Enoch walked with God. And then he was no more because God took him away. Okay, so I, I read that. I, w- I glanced over it and I went back and I was like, Enoch walked with God. And I pictured Jesus and Enoch, God and Jesus, in, in the mountains walking together, on the beach, in the neighborhood. And I thought, man, how different would my life be if I walked with God every single day? If I just took a, a, a brief time where I said, all right, I'm going to walk with you. I want you to speak truth to me. I want you to to shape me into the person that you want me to be. I want you to breathe life into me. How different would I be? I think we'd be totally, totally different people. I looked up in the Hebrew this week what the word walk meant when the author was, was writing this, and it literally means fellowship and obedience. So when Enoch was encountering God, he had fellowship and relationship and dialogue, and he obeyed him. When God asked him to do something, he was a person who just went and did it. And so, how different would our lives be if we encountered this God? And so, I started thinking, all right, so, so when my genealogy is written, you know, someday when my wife's pregnant and she's, our baby's due in May, which we're so excited, we're going to we find out it's a little girl. We're going to name her Brennan Hope. So, so excited to meet her. It's one of those things where we're like, man, if I could just get to May, and I fail to engage in the moment, you know, again, because I'm just thinking about meeting our little baby daughter. But, Someday when, when I'm gone, and Clarice is gone, what is Brennan going to say about me? You know, what's going to be in my gene, genealogy? Is it going to be that Ryan watched the greatest football games or went on the best vacations? Because, dang it, guys, that stuff doesn't matter. When I die someday, I want Brennan to stand up at my funeral and say, you know what, Ryan was a fabulous dad. He was a great husband, and he walked with God. I just started thinking, man... Why is it that those things are so hard for me to do? It's hard for me to be a good husband a lot of times because I'm consumed with me. It's hard for me to walk with God because I get so distracted with all the crap that goes on in our lives. I just thought, man, this has to end this year. I'm tired of it. I don't want to be this person anymore. You know Why do I focus on football games and all this stuff that doesn't stink and matter in the end? Because when Brennan's up here, you know, when she's speaking at my funeral, that's not what I want her to remember. And so, man, gang, for 2008, if we could encounter this living, active God, you know, and take walks with him and strolls with him, and if he could breathe life into us, I think that at, a, at the core of our being, we would be totally, completely different people. And so maybe you're here this morning, and you're not a follower of Jesus, you've never experienced him personally or passionately maybe you got off at the wrong track station you know maybe somebody drugged you here you know i don't know what the case is but i want you to know that you are not here by coincidence god ordained it in heaven and so what i want you to do if that's you here this morning man come experience this community grab the people around you go to lunch join an on-ramp check out a small group check out one of the ministries that we have to offer You know, experience this community firsthand. But know that the only thing in your life that will bring you true satisfaction is Jesus. The only thing I've ever found. I found stuff that works for a day, you know, a week, a month, a year, if you're really, really lucky. But in the end, it leaves you empty, empty, empty. But Jesus comes in and he makes you whole and complete. And so don't let anybody pressure you into doing anything before you're ready. But when you're ready... Open the, open the door to Jesus because he's standing there knocking. And allow him to come in and meet with you and rush in. And remember, it's not about serving and doing all these great things. You know, that stuff will come. That's one of the ways that we show that we love God. But it's about him encountering and having this active, vibrant, growing relationship with him. Maybe you're here this morning and you're down on life. My last 48 hours has been your last 48 months You know, or 48 weeks or whatever the case And you just are like, man, I just cannot take it anymore. And you've forgotten the call and the plan that Jesus has on your life. My encouragement to you is that Jesus wants to take you by your head right now. And he wants to look you into your eyes. And he wants to say, hey, you know what? I love you. I believe in you. And I have a plan for your life. A plan that's beyond your greatest expectations. But guys, we have to allow him to say it to us. It's not about doing more it's about him speaking that truth to our hearts and into our minds. And so if that's you this morning, if you just had enough, this next week I want you to try to have 3 encounters with God. Go grab the scriptures, head up to the mountains, grab your prayer journal, whatever it takes, experience this living active God firsthand. The way that you experience him, you can experience him some this morning, but you got to do it outside of K2. You know, open this thing up. Read the book of John, amazing book. You know It's easy to understand and easy to take note of you know, and allow Jesus just to penetrate your heart and your life like he never has before. Because if your fill is only from Sunday morning, and it's not enough. You know, you've got to have these encounters. So this week, try to have some encounters with God. And maybe you're this guy over here, and you are a passionate follower of Jesus. You know him intimately and deeply, and life is good for you. And you feel like most of the time you're, you know, you're a full-time follower, and that's just the way it is. If that's you this morning, Man, what can you do to keep it fresh this next year? Is it grabbing a new translation? Is it downloading some great worship music on on iTunes? Is it grabbing a soap you know journal that is amazing? I'd love to tell you guys about it if we had more time. But there's ways to keep it fresh, and you got to do that. Like our marriages, you know, Claire and I don't go to the same restaurant every Friday night when we go on our date. We we spice it up. We experience different things. We go on vacation. We do cool adventures. We, the same thing has to be true of God. It can't just be this ritual and obligation. And if that's you this morning, ask yourself this, who is someone in your life that needs to encounter this living, active God? And when, per- when that picture comes to mind for you, just think, man, what can I do this week so that that person can take one step closer to him? What can I do you know, to help them, help bridge this gap between this person and Jesus this week, if that's you today? And so gang, Imagine if every single one of us in this room, okay, you, me, all of us, if we began to encounter this living God this next year, even this week, I think that we would be people who are full and satisfied at the core. We wouldn't run to the weekends. We wouldn't run to football games and great restaurants and the things that so often fill our lives, the apple gear You know, when that stuff happens and you go on vacation and you go out to a cool restaurant and see a great movie, it makes life all that much better, but it wouldn't be the focus, and we wouldn't look to that stuff to satisfy our every, every desire. And so my my goal for this next year, for 2008, is that I would encounter this living, active God in a new and fresh way. That I would keep it real with Him and intimate, and I would allow His truth to speak to me. And I would be a different person as a result of it. Band, you guys can take your place. We're going to worship here in a minute. And my prayer for myself and for you guys is that this wouldn't be lukewarm worship. They wouldn't just do it and go through the motions. You know, but when you see these words, sing them. If you can't sing them, pray them. You know, pray them to the God Almighty because he has a plan and a call on your life. You know? And when we're worshiping, let's give him all that, we have, all that we are and all that we have. And my prayer is that this would be a time where God looks, up in heaven, or he looks down from heaven and he says, man, that K2, that's a special place. They passionately, with all their hearts, follow me and serve me. And we're also going to take our offering at this time. And don't let the offering be something where you're like, fine, I'll just do it. Let it be something where you give generously to say, God, you have poured your blessings on me. I just want to pour them back. Again, if you're visiting today, don't feel any pressure. But know that this is one more chance for you can say, God, I just want to give back to you because you are so amazing in my life. So I'm going to pray for you. We're going to start worshiping. Jesus, thanks for each and every individual that's in this room. Lord, my prayer is that we would connect with you in 2008. That we would experience you in a new, a fresh, and exciting way. God, (laughs) we wouldn't just do the same old rituals and obligations that we so often do but God, that you would speak true to our hearts and into our minds. Help us to be the people that you want us to be this next year, and may we not forever a hint be lukewarm people. May we be hot for you in everything that we do and everything that we say and everything that we are. We love you so much, Jesus, in your son's name, amen.